What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they canceled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. <laughs> Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I too am a critic. And uh, and listeners, I have to describe what happened right before we started recording here. Uh, right before William launched into his opening spiel, he's like getting the, the microphone ready. He's about to hit record. He's just muttering to himself, "God, I hate." <laughs> Welcome to Cancel Too Soon. I, I understand. I understand how he feels in this moment because we're trying to put on a brave face. This is uh, this this particular episode of Cancel Too Soon. You know, a show that we created because we want to celebrate or at the very least give a fair shake to TV's biggest failures. It shows mm. that had a chance, maybe they had a pilot, maybe they had a full season, but no more than that. And they didn't make it. Maybe they couldn't find the audience. Maybe there were behind the scenes shenanigans, but they just they, they never had the real opportunity to really grow and thrive and become uh, a major hit. We believe in failure. Mm-hmm. We believe that shows that don't succeed potentially can be great. And we've run mm-hmm. into more than our fair share here at Cancel Too Soon over the years. And then there's this piece of crap. Sometimes, sometimes you watch them and you're just like, okay, let's give this a let's give this a fair shot. And three minutes in, you're like, oh no! And you're like, how many episodes are there? And you're like, seventeen. I have to watch seventeen of these. And then you realize that maybe you've chosen the wrong career, and you're wondering if it's too late to go back to law school. It's never too late to go back. Because I, I look uh, at my finances, yes, it's and, too late. And, oh, well. <laughs> it's a little too late. Uh, either way, there are some really aggressive chimpanzees pushing us out the door. <laughs> oh, my God. So, this week, <laughs> cancel too soon, we're, we we had a poll, and our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network had the power to choose one of a series of TV shows. It was just stuff that we had in our vault. We collect a lot of mm-hmm. shows that have been put on DVD or maybe like VHS copies and we can scrounge them up of shows that didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've accumulated quite a few and we were like, we need to get through the library. So we put a lot of them in the poll over patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. And our patrons who apparently are mad at us for something. 
Look, what did we do? I don't. What did we do wrong? I, I don't Why know. are you punishing us? I, I'm gonna have a long Who talk in therapy. Hurt? Like yeah. all my all of my like insecurity and low self esteem. It's gonna be like, well, it was justified today. Today I found it. We're gonna be talking about a little show. Oh God, help us! We're talking about Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. I'm your host Ed Simeon, and tonight we have a really big show for you. Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. Calling Lancelot Link. Come in, Link. That's Lancelot Link. That's Lancelot Link. This is Lancelot Link checking in. Lance Link, you gotta come through. Lance Link. Secret chip. Wow, that sounds exciting. I kind of want to get into this assignment. You were careless? Foolish? And you were stupid? Yeah, my shippy can't wait. Catchy theme song, anyway. Uh, the theme song is the best part. Yeah. I will say this right now. It's It's... There are moments when they're introducing some of the many racist characters in yeah, Lancelot Link. Like a lot of the lot, characters are ev- inherently racist. Every every single character is a broad stereotype of yeah. some kind, and the the majority are insulting and or racist. Um, when they're not talking about those characters, it's a reasonably catchy song. There's a couple of like bits of like two D animation that look kind of stylish and interesting. Mm. Uh, but what this show actually is, they took a whole bunch of trained chimpanzees, mm-hmm. put them in human clothes, and had them do stuff on camera. And then after the fact, they recorded audio for the chimpanzees in a sort of parody of Get Smart, which was itself a parody of The Man from Uncle and James Bond. So you're watching chimpanzees do chimpanzee stuff, and well, but they're they're not doing chimpanzee stuff. They're tr- highly trained chimpanzees. Well, this is my they're point. they're doing people stuff. This is my point. Like they're, the uh, chimpanzees uh, aren't aware that they're giving a performance. They've been trained to do stuff. Well, they're animals. In, in, yeah, I'm saying they're, they they don't know what they're doing. So what you're watching is. After a while, you realize that there is no subtlety or nuance or even particular care that has gone into the storytelling in Lancelot Link's Secret Chimp. And they're kind of going all out. I will say this. They spent a lot of money on, like, the sets and the costumes. Like, it's not a cheap show. This show, which ran from... I want to get this right here. It ran from 1970 to 1971. Initially, from 1970 to 1971... The show was an hour long, ran 45 to 48 minutes, and in between two live-action Lancelot Link storylines, a musical number, and a couple of like little sketch bits with the chimpanzees, they would show Warner Brothers cartoons. And in repeats... It's like, it's like hiding a sandwich inside a bag of manure. Yeah, like Wait, it's in there yeah. somewhere. Like the, but here's and the it's deal. a really good sandwich. I, 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 it was a later era Warner Brothers cartoon. Oh, so never, like mediocre oh. sandwich at best. Oh, never mind that. Yeah. So, do, do you remember that whole series of Daffy Ducks? Daffy Duck meets Speedy Gonzalez cartoons. Yes. Yeah. That that was not that, a good. There era. was a really lo- yeah. Th- those characters haven't always produced gold. No. Anyway, in fact, I'd, I'd say fifty five is the cutoff. Just about. Yeah. Maybe a few on the other side, but not many. Mm-hmm. They, they, so there was, was an hour long show and it was kind of an anthology sketch show. And then 
there's been some argument over whether or not Lancelot Link qualifies because if you look online, it says technically it had two seasons. The second season was just the first season without the cartoons. Mm. So it's all the same stuff. They did not spend any more money on it. The problem it was, is they it wasn't sp- renewed. It was just reruns. It was reran in a slightly different format. And it makes sense that they tried because this show in 1970 cost over a million dollars, making it one of the most expensive television shows on the air at the time. This and it was a passion project as well. Oh yeah, people uh, were really the, excited uh, about the, the creators. Are, are, are were named Stan Burns and Mike Marmer, and Stan Burns and Mike Marmer, um, from what I understand, were and this was just you know what I could glean from like Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, were the head writers of the Carol Burnett show, which yeah. was a, hit a com- huge, huge hit comedy at the time. That was a big deal. The Carol Burnett show. It's also really really funny if you haven't yeah. seen any old Carol, Carol Burnett episodes. Unlike Lancelot Lake, and. They were sort of trying to come up with what if we did like a chimpanzee version of Get Smart? Wouldn't that be funny? If we actually no, real chimpanzees. No, and they quit their jobs. Like they couldn't work on both shows at the same time. This was far. Lancelot Link would, was far too labor intensive. Mm-hmm. It took a long time to train those chimpanzees and get them like on mini bikes and shit. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I felt so bad for whoever to- for the for the poor chimpanzee. They forced to walk in heels. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you, what are you, what's even, the matter with you? They don't even have human feet. They have chimpanzee feet. Why, why would you do that to another creature? Uh, anyway. So, yeah, they, they put, they put them in, they put them in wigs and makeup and put them in little miniature cars and train them to, like, either chew on something or move their faces. They were chewing gum. Like, yeah. It's yeah. my understanding that they were uh, the chimpanzees were given gum and they okay. chewed gum and that's... How they were moving their mouths, and that gave them an opportunity to write dialogue around them. And yeah. not unlike like the old Speed Racer cartoons, uh, they didn't actually do a really particular job about like timing out the shots. Well, to not even fit timing the dialogue. Out, yeah, timing out the shots. So like they would write a line of dialogue, and then the the chimpanzee would keep talking for a while. And rather than edit it, they would just add them singing random crap. Mm. And this this is there's an old joke in Speed Racer where they would be like, oh no. Uh, uh, Speed and Chim Chim are in trouble And then the character would keep talking for a second And they kind of ran out of information To give mm. to the audience And so the English dub cast would just say things like Ha ha yeah. I, I don't know why I, I need to race, race in this race now ah. Like yeah they'd have to pad yeah. out Because it it takes more or less time To say those things in English than they do in Japanese mm-hmm. So the, the dub is really awkward it's, it's actually not that hard to write dialogue That fits the right amount of time but some people apparently couldn't be bothered and or didn't think no, it mattered. No, no, no. And it sucks. And nowadays, you know, I, I will well, still 99 times out of 100 watch a, a subtitled version of anime. Mm. Uh, but when I do watch dubbed versions, they've gotten a lot better. I have oh, to de- that. no, definitely. You have to admit they, that much. They've they, gotten a lot better. They figured out ways to yeah. uh, get pretty good, slightly alternate translations. Yeah. Um, it's actually uh, really angered people who are, are bilingual, who speak both languages and understand mm-hmm. like the, the subtitles and the dialogue are actually they're not, not exactly translated magic, quite yeah. well, but they have to fit in a certain way. So in yeah. it, it's complicated. It, it's complicated, but you know I understand the, the concessions that need to be made. Anyway, they made no such concessions for the chimpanzees and Lancelot Link. No. The the chimpanzees would just be filmed with their jaws moving kind of randomly. Yeah, and. And the, the actors getting in the booth and trying to come up with dialogue to fill whatever the shot was. Yeah. So there was a lot of improvisation going on in the vo- the voice booth. Uh, Lancelot Link uh, 
I'm not sure if he's trying to do a really bad Humphrey Bogart or a pretty good Walter Matthau. They're doing a really bad Humphrey Bogart. Okay. Yeah. He sounds uh, like Walter Matthau. Yeah. Uh, the Lancelot Link is the protagonist, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a secret agent for a, a spy organization called APE, the Agency to Prevent Evil, which as BS acronyms, we just really want this to spell APE go. Not that bad. Not that bad. Uh, they uh, And they run they run out of the uh, Cinerama Dome. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of they, funny. Whenever actually, they yeah. showed a shot of the exterior of the ape yeah. headquarters, they, they they put a chimpanzee yeah. in a guard uniform and a little helmet and just had it walk around outside of the Cinerama Dome. Mm. And, which, if you're unfamiliar with it, is this gigantic movie theater mm. in Hollywood, California, uh, which very re- which been running it, for it, a very long time and very recently... It shuttered during the pandemic. Shuttered yeah. during the pandemic, and there is currently a lot of speculation over whether... A number of different like movie studios, streaming services, or other mm. movie theater chains are going to acquire it because it's considered kind of a cultural landmark. Yeah, in LA, we, been, we, been LA tears since... down its history all the time. So anything that's over fifty years old, we have a lot of nostalgia for, mm. and we really want to protect. I think the dome was built in sixty four, if I recall, somewhere around um, there. Yeah, it's a little over a little over half a century old, yeah, which I... is. Enough, honestly, for it to be like ancient history here, we should protect it. But but I do like that. Uh, I like to think that they were shooting guerrilla style. Uh, no pun there. Um, that they were actually get out, get out of my. <laughs> that was that was unintentional. Oh my god, Whitney. They, actually, they, Whitney. Just, they just ran by oh. there one day when like foot traffic was low. They just let, let the chimp out, and ran out with a camera, and just t- got the shot real fast. Uh, anyway, and then the cop said, "Oh no, it's the chimp people again." We need to talk about the cast. Okay, let's, just, uh, let's, just, let's just get to it. So we got Lancelot Link. Uh, the chimpanzee who plays Lancelot Link is named Tongo. He's voiced by voice actor Dayton Allen, who is doing a Humphrey Bogart impersonation, even though Humphrey Bogart has never been in a spy movie. At least not like this. Um, and uh, yeah, he works for Ape, and he is their top agent. And his partner... In a very get smart kind of way, where they're kind of like ninety nine, where they're kind of dating, but they also don't talk about it very much, and sort of a will they won't they kind of thing, is uh, Mata Harry. Hmm. I'll let that sink in in case you missed it. Mata Harry, Mata Harry, Mata uh, played by a chimpanzee named Debbie and voiced by uh, actor Joan Gerber. Um. And she's she's uh, she's and, she's and she's the, uh, voice, the voice she chose is like nails on a chalkboard. I don't understand I, this at all. I don't yeah. understand. what Okay, so let's not link. Sounds like Humphrey Bogart, which at the very least is like a sort of an iconic movie voice, and mm. like it, there's a level of consistency there. And I'm with you, Mata Harry. Joan Gerber gives her. It's not just like this shrill Brooklynite mm. high pitched voice. It's atonal. Yeah, there's no. An uh, uh, attempt made at inflection half the time. <laughs> it's just yeah, loud, uh, and, and it's really hard to listen to. And on the thin, 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 like wafer thin level, at which you can take Lancelot Link seriously as a storyline, which is to say, you can watch it and follow it and give any kind of crap about what happens next. Uh. Every time Mata Harry talks, ruins it. Yeah. And I just want this to be over. Because they're it's not like the, they're not even attempting to tell a story here. They're just saying, like, what if this chimpanzee had a human voice and it was annoying? I'm, I'm and I'd be like, of, uh, it would be annoying and I wouldn't want to watch your show, Lancelot Link. 
I think of shows like, uh, I think this might go back to the Honeymooners because it's also Wilma Flintstone mm. or uh, um, uh, All in the Family. Like mm. there were a lot of, uh, I guess that was just sort of a comedic type mm. to have sort of that high pitched voice. But sure, you can have the, a character the, though. The, yeah, the the character in those cases were ostensibly quite funny. Yeah, they had full uh, characterizations. Yeah, Mon- they had depth of. Uh, uh, they would be able to read a line and get more out of it than just I'm mm. speaking and loud. Yeah, and I, I and Joe Gerber is not like someone who never worked in anything before. Or anything. Well, she, Joe she's Gerber clearly, a lot of stuff. She's clearly playing a, like a, a broad archetype. She's tapping yeah. into a, a certain type of character, yeah. and so she's trying to uh, wring comedy out of just her voice. Yeah, but, I'm, 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 her 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 long. Uh, uh, her her filmography is gigantic. Uh, she was Mrs. Beakley in the original Ducktales cartoon. Uh, if that uh, if that All helps right. you out a lot, um, she was oh Jesus, she was in so much. Excuse me. Uh, she was in the Bugaloos. She was in Help. It's the Hair Bear Bunch. Uh, she was on Sesame Street. She was on the Pink Panther show. She was on Tiny Tunes, like. She's talented. Hmm. Someone told her to do this. I can't imagine Joan Gerber was like, I know what I'm going to do. No. Gonna Someone sh- told her to I'm do that. Shrink, shriek constantly. There must have been a consensus at some point in the production that that would be funny. Uh, I want to get through the cast real fast, and then I want to speak a lot more about the conception of Lancelot Link, because I this is one of those shows where I can't figure out what the hell they were getting at. Uh, real, real fast. Hmm. Uh, their boss at Ape is Commander Darwin, who always has a theory. As in the theory of evolution, yeah. A theory as to what's going on. He's also voiced by Dayton Allen. Uh, their arch nemeses are Chump. It's a criminal organization called Chump, the criminal headquarters for Underworld Master Plan. Not the Underworld Master Plan. Just nope. Underworld Master Plan. Yeah. Uh, they are run by Baron Von Butcher. Uh, uh, a German stereotype clearly modeled after Colonel Clink from uh, Hogan's yeah. Heroes. Or, or uh, Bernie Koppel voices the character, and he played a similar character on Get Smart. Okay. Um, the uh, the other characters in Chump... Okay, Baron Von Butcher is not necessarily a positive German stereotype, mm. but this is gonna... <laughs> it only gets yeah. worse. There's the one other one where you're sort of like, yeah, okay, is uh, there's a mad scientist named Dr. Strangemind, uh, who is also voiced by Dayton Allen, and he's doing a Bela Lugosi impersonation. It's Maybe. not not amazing, but doesn't hurt the soul. And I'm I'm surprised it's not uh, a, a Peter Sellers impersonation, Doctor Strangelove. Anyway. I don't. It doesn't make sense. Okay, the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Bear Von Butcher has a chauffeur named Crito. Okay. Bear has a butcher, has yeah. a chauffeur, Crito's his name. All right, and yeah. now, and, uh, and uh, they also, there is a British Which, agent. Crito is, is a portmanteau of Cato uh-huh. and, and Cretan. Yeah, so let's make fun of Cato, one of the few mm. interesting characters. Okay, anyway, uh, there's also a British uh, agent named The Duchess, voiced by Joan Gerber. They do most of the roles. Dayton Allen, Bernie Coppel, and Joan Gerber do most of the, the acting mm. here. Uh, and then there are... Oh God, well, help well, us all! And, there's, and, and again, there's a, a whole slew of stereotypes. And these are, these the, are really offensive, and we're just yeah. going to explain them. There's the dragon woman, mm. uh, who is a parody, if you can call it that, 
of the quote unquote dragon lady who is from the Terry and the Pirates comic strip and kind of pastiche pastiche of this racist stereotype and uh, and the the term dragon lady is highly offensive Mm -hmm. and uh, it basically refers to this uh, really ugly stereotype of uh, Asian women women from any Asian country really Asian women with power with power who are inherently villainous Mm -hmm. and it's not cool at all Uh, then there's uh the the uh, Chinese uh, character named Wang Fu, mm-hmm. exceptionally racist characterization. Yeah, and then the, there the, is the, with that the really offensive accent. And speaking of offensive accents, their other uh, uh, mm. villainous person is. I hate the show so much. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, Ali Assassin. Ali Ali Assassin. Yes, which um, is of course uh, uh, a stereotype of a Middle Eastern man. Yeah, and, uh, and he also sings for reasons mm, which I can't quite explain. Because and, they needed to fill the the, the chimp yeah. dubbing space. Uh, Ali Assassin. Mm. The only other noteworthy thing about the character, other than how spectacularly racist they are, uh, is apparently they're a falconer because they have a falcon. A real-life falcon on their back. And I think it's the only other animal we see in this show other than the chimpanzees. I think so. There's no, like, dogs or cats or other animal people. There's one episode where there's definitely a human in a costume, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm. But this is the... They're all... Oh, and there's an orangutan. That's right. There's one joke where there's an orangutan. There's an orangutan. But, uh, yeah, that's the only other animal. And I was watching some of these episodes with my wife, Martin Michelle. All we can do whenever this character is on screen is watch the falcon and just be like... (laughs) If that if that blinding mask on the falcon, because what you do is you have a falcon, is you take you have a mask on it so it doesn't want to fly away. Mm. If you take the mask off, it goes and does its own thing. Uh, if that mask fell off on set one day, it would have been chaos. It would have <laughs> well, been chaos. I imagine it would have been chaos anyway because yeah. chimpanzees are. Um, first of all, uh, and we mentioned this uh, on our last episode, uh, just sort of in the. Uh, uh, epilogue. Setting up when we were yeah, kind of uh, covering the show. Yeah, chimpanzees are. Incredibly aggressive animals mm-hmm. uh, they, when they're adults. Uh, yeah, they grow up and they are uh, almost impossible to train. They'll they're really aggressive. They will attack. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana Gould has a really horrific bit about how uh, they actually have a plan of attack. How they mm. they will attack you first. They'll break your jaw. Then they'll break your hands. And then they'll go for your crotch. Like that cool. is that is the plan. And, yeah. And he, the joke is, why would they go for the crotch last? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, as such, when you see chimpanzees performing, they're usually babies. They're, they're young. Yeah. They're pre-adolescent chimp- chimpanzees. Yeah. They, so, so in, these are all young chimpanzees that we're watching yeah. here. In my mind, I thought that chimpanzees never got bigger than that. Yeah, when like, I was and, a kid, I, I never, never saw a bigger an, one. Yeah. an adult chimpanzee. Yeah. I'd never seen pictures yeah. of them. And so, uh, it wasn't until I started looking up facts about chimpanzees when Rise of the Planet of the Apes came out. That was 2011. Mm-hmm. Because there's scenes of Caesar standing up, he's like five foot ten. It's like chimps don't get that big. Actually, they do. They they grow yeah. to be about five foot ten. They're, yeah, they're, they can get pretty big. big they're big animals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we never see adult chimpanzees outside of zoos because they're really really aggressive. Um, you see chimpanzees in the circus, and I'm, and this gets to uh, the thinking behind making a show about a spy show with a cast of chimpanzees. Yeah, because this, uh, this, this is this is maybe the only interesting thing about this show. Th- this to me, is, is the conception of it. Chim- chimpanzees draw like as performers, as entertainment. Yeah. Uh, of course, go back decades in, in no, the United States. Um, just, just basically the idea of 
we went somewhere, we brought back an animal, and we're going to make it do stuff for your amusement. That's mm. old school yeah. colonialist mm. bullshit. Yeah. Well, and and uh, if if you look up sort of the uh, the collection of Ricky Jay, he's really interested yeah. in odd entertainments, and he has the all these old playbills from like the the seventeen and eighteen hundreds about uh, yeah going. Tr- Travel became like opened up at one point in human history, and people started going to uh, quote exotic lands. That is, white people started going outside of Europe, and uh, essentially kidnapping the animals there and bringing them back to the royal courts. And often the people, and and the people as well, and displaying them. This is what things look like outside of Europe. Oh, how fascinating! Uh, And so. You know, th- there's this uh, bizarre, like near surreal experience that Ricky Jay has on his playbills of you know the royal court sitting in a grand chamber hall and somebody bringing in a live rhinoceros. Yeah, like that's that's weird. That's yeah. like something out of a Jodorowsky movie. Yeah. It's it's totally bizarre. But this was common for uh, royalty at the time. So yeah. uh, this this is where we get the idea of chimpanzees as entertainment and. When it when uh, you know chimpanzees uh, turns out were easy to train mm, when they're young. They, when they're young uh, started showing up in uh, more more like lower and lower strata throughout society mm-hmm. until uh, you go to American history they're part of the circus yeah they, they they sort of leaked down into this sort of traveling entertainment that would go all around the United States and go to small towns and set up their big tops. And you could, you could see exotic animals and train chimpanzees. And if you had never seen a chimpanzee before or read about them in books and you didn't have access to film or television yet, maybe that's a very fascinating experience seeing these animals. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why, I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of them are repugnant, but there's a reason why these sort of safari type storylines, books, motion pictures, mm-hmm. Uh, were popular is because a lot of people didn't get to travel. Yeah. And so any depiction of a world unlike that which they are familiar with in their immediate vicinity mm. had a certain level of excitement to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it led to some really gross shit, but like I do well, get it it's, in principle. It's all, it's all based in that colonial European conqueror mentality. We yeah. need to grab things from places that aren't here and yeah. bring them back to us. Yeah. The royalty isn't traveling and experiencing it themselves. No. And if they are, they're Alexander the Great and they're conquering shit. Yeah. Uh, it's so, yeah, it's all based on, on this colonialist tradition. Uh, and it, it made its way down to, uh, I would say, and you know, as time passed and as movies and as, uh, as television started to enter American entertainment, the circus pretty much died out. We still have circuses, but it's more... Um, more traveling. It's, it's like a throwback really, sort of yeah. thing, or it's like Cirque du Soleil, which is like yeah. a Vegas show. Uh, and the idea of putting chimpanzees on display for entertainment is kind of moribund now. But for the longest time, chimpanzees were really fascinating for a certain audience at a certain time in history. And I've never been and part of that audience. I've never understood it. I have never understood it either. Yeah. I've gone, I went to circuses when I was a kid. They were still kind of traveling around the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. And I, think I, I went remember, to one once when I was really little. Yeah. 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 And I remember, yeah, there's a, like a, a school field trip when it was, yeah. it was like 1986 or something. That's probably around when and, I went. Yeah. And, and I got to see all of the animals and the clowns and I understood on an intellectual level that these things were supposed to be entertaining. Mm. And there were some, still some spectacular stunts, like the trapeze and the sure, the, yeah, that's not the, hard to the, do. The death yeah. ball with the motorcycles and inside, knife throwers and yeah, shit. Yeah, that kind of stuff yeah. was really impressive because you can't fake that. But the animal stuff, I wasn't impressed by. I'm going to get into a cage with lions. Why? 
I, I just I can I just look at the lions? Yeah. Like, why are we? Why are we? And, and, the other, and there's this other element to it mm. beyond that, beyond just the confusion of why a person would do this. Mm. What are you getting out of it other than some weird power trip or the assumed power trip of the audience? But I'm more focused. I'm not so much focused on like, oh, that that guy is going to go in there with the lions. How mm. dangerous! I'm more thinking about. Those poor lions. Yeah, like it's well, not like gonna... they're in a, I, I, zoos are an ethically complicated concept to begin with, but at the very least, now there is at least some attempt made to have them be comfortable for the animals and have mm. them be actually nice. Um, I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but it's mm. not as awful as let's just shove them in a cage and put a funny hat on them mm. and like have a whole bunch of like screaming people yell at them and laugh. Like there's something really grotesque well, about it. Well, and I guess again, if if you've never seen a lion before, you might look at one and think that's really terrifying, and you might admire the bravery of the person who goes in next to the lions, yeah. or or how just how thrilling it is to watch somebody do sort of this faux battle yeah. with a lion. No, no. So I never understood the appeal as of a lions. Kid, I always I, sympathize with the, the animals. Like I was, yeah, large, I liked animals. Larger animals, kind of like terrify me a little bit mm-hmm. so when i saw like horses and elephants like no get, get, get them out i don't the, want them i don't want them to kill me there's there's uh, a cap on that for me horses mm-hmm. and elephants don't freak me out mm-hmm. a whale scares the shit out of me <laughs> to this day the scariest movie i think one of the scariest movies i've ever seen in my life is pinocchio because monstro is scary as shit to me <laughs> they get the sense of scale on that thing yeah. so enormous holy crap I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so you're watching. Then, then you got you got to the chimpanzees. You're watching and, Lancelot Lane's secret chimp. Well, hang, hang on. Well, let, I'm let sorry. Me, let, me, let me stay. Well, let me stay with the circus for a second. I thought you were getting there. The, chi- the chimpanzees are part of the circus. They're trained to do funny human stuff because they're yeah. inte- intelligent animals and they can be trained when they're young. Yeah. So you can put them in clothes and you can have them sort of smoke cigars and roll around on on a roller skates. Yeah, and, let's teach them to smoke. That's a fun idea. Isn't and that? Uh, yeah, real classy. Oh, look, look, that that animal is doing human stuff. Isn't I get that the funny? premise, but it's also, um, it's also grotesque. It, it's incredibly grotesque. And yeah. I've always been kind of fond of this attempt to entertain me on a kitsch level. Mm. Like I, so whenever I saw like a, a commercial, a TV commercial where a chimpanzee is trying to sell me rice aroni or whatever, I thought this is, so pathetic mm-hmm. that it's fascinating. It become because you can't look at something like Lancelot's Secret Chimp or a chimpanzee commercial and see the story of its own making. Yeah. You're just seeing a trained animal. Yeah, exactly. The trained animals weren't like reading a screenplay, making creative decisions. Mm. All they have all that has been done is they have been tricked into situations that can be after the fact through the use of sometimes very liberal voiceover. Like there are whole episodes where it's just like nothing you just showed us is the plot you described on on in the audio like at all. You're just trying to get them to do funny things on camera that you can then retroactively turn into mm-hmm. a narrative, and that's my one of my big problems with Lance Alling's Secret Champ. In addition to the fact that it's shrill and not funny, which is bad enough. <laughs> like that would be yeah. enough to, to ruin any show, really. Uh, but I can't even appreciate it on a basic level Mm. because it comes across i'm hoping that nothing in the show and i haven't seen any information to support this i'm hoping Mm. nothing in the show would qualify as animal abuse i really really hope that that would be the absolute that's my sincerest wish but it is it is animal humiliation and that i can't get behind well um 
m- making a chimpanzee spin around in circles and putting it in a suit, you know, it, it, I don't think it knows it's being humiliated. No, but at the same time, uh, there's no dignity to the way we're treating the animals. The human beings, mm-hmm. I mean, the animal themselves might not care. Yeah, they might be having but, the time of their lives. I don't know that. Yeah. The human beings know what they're doing to the animals. Mm-hmm. The human beings know that we're going to put this chimpanzee in a bikini and we're going to film a scene as though it was a scene in a spy movie and oh isn't it sexy and I'm like there is an ugliness to the idea you have decided to put on camera that I can't get behind the attitude you had making the show I can't get behind that enough to appreciate this on any level there's something really cruel about it at the very least in its concept if not necessarily and I don't know for truth but not, if not yeah. necessarily in its execution. I, I, I like to assume that when I see something like this, that it was produced ethically. That's the whole, uh, but that could that's just the dream. Be, that could just be my naivete because yeah. I know that uh, a lot of animal entertainments aren't produced ethically and mm-hmm. animals do get hurt and yeah. often people don't care. Um, John, John Waters killed a chicken and he's, yeah. he doesn't apologize about that. And he's like, well, yeah, we were, we were going to eat it anyway. So why don't we just kill it on camera? Mm-hmm. Um, He's he's actually very flip about about how he killed a chicken on. I mean, there's there's there's, Uh, yeah. I'm not. And and if and if you eat chicken, you know, how how do you feel about that? Uh, Yeah, that that's that's a that's your decision. Uh, Mm -hmm. The the chimpanzees, I like to think, were not being hurt. I assume they're not being hurt. I hope they're not being hurt. Uh, I hope they're not being being made super uncomfortable. They're not being put in danger. Uh, And and again, chimpanzees are pretty dangerous. So if you push a chimpanzee too far it'll hurt you back. So uh, it it could have been ethically produced. What is, what really chaps my hide Hmm. is that we are going to all of this effort and training these chimpanzees and making chimpanzee costumes and setting up all of these sets and writing these scripts so we can film animals making the shittiest possible show you can think of. This isn't something where we're exploring our relationship with animals. Mm-hmm. We're, ex- we're exploiting the chimpanzees for our entertainment. And because they're chimpanzees, they have no say in this. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't feel bad for the chimpanzees because if they're, you know, getting food and a, a nice place to sleep, then it doesn't matter. If, as if long as there's nothing well, worse happening to them. If they're yeah, being treated well, that's fine. If the chimpanzees are not happy, amazing, great, uh, but it's okay for them. I guess. I don't really sto- know. It's there have been stories about how um, the chimpanzee who played cheetah in the, the Tarzan mm. Uh, movies. Oh yeah, he got his own apartment. Yeah, got got an apartment and was yeah. Yeah, treated like an air conditioned apartment and like yeah. lived to the age of seventy four and like had handlers that stayed well the hell out of his way. <laughs> uh, and how uh, Cheetah actually developed a fondness for being on camera and acting with actors. Mm-hmm. Like the chimpanzee was smart enough to know that it was doing like had habits and recognized certain things, so it knew mm-hmm. that it was. Not what a movie was, but that, you know, being on camera. This behavior is fun. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So Cheetah evidently had a really wonderful time being an actor and retired well. Essentially, was paid incredibly well. I guess that's pretty good, honestly. Mm. Like, there are worse ways to be. And uh, if if Cheetah or any of these chimpanzees is asked to play some sort of horrendous racist stereotype, it's not on the chimpanzee. The chimpanzee doesn't know what it's <laughs> the doing. Chimpanzee it is innocent understand in the concept of it. It's, it's, and, uh, but the fact that it's being made to do that feels mm-hmm. like a cruel joke, doesn't it? it, it yeah. A little, a little, to, from from our just, perspective, yeah, we're, we're a little bit the, cruel. And not just on like the people who are being mocked, but mm-hmm. the chimpanzee as well. 
So and there's something about just every single aspect of this what, comes what across it, as so cynical. What it, re- what it reveals is just the part of the darkest part of human nature. Yeah. That we can do these horrendous things, train animals to do horrendous things, and ho-ho, it's just for a laugh on Saturday morning for little kids. Sell them to children. To, to sell them to children. And these shows were yeah. made largely with the help of sponsors. So I, yeah. you know, I just... There's money. This I was just, expensive. I just they hope a lot of... I just hope a lot of cornmeal in boxes was sold to kids. Because that's why this shit exists. <laughs> it is like the most cynical, lowest scum of early Here's your sugared cardboard shreddings. Yeah. There's a little um, toy in the bottom. We, we put red dye in it, and it tastes like strawberries if strawberries vomited sugar. <laughs> Thanks, Saturday morning. Uh, I hate this. I hate I this, hate too. I hate that this exists. I hate the concept of this. I hate the execution of this. There's nothing about this, again, except for a few a, a few bits of 2D art, where if this was an animated series, this would be fine. I mean, the racism would still be awful, obviously, but yeah, like but the, at least this, at least no one would have been hurt here. The, this kind no of racism was actually really common on television yeah. at the time. You look oh, at a yeah. lot of Hanna Barbera cartoons, and oh, these, yeah. these stereotypes were everywhere in entertainment. Yeah. I leave the, my point is this: if you made this as a cartoon, this would probably be as well remembered as like Secret Squirrel or whatever, yeah. or any of the other one of the, one of the similar copycats, stupid animal-friendly, you know, cartoon adventure series at the time. There would be things that we would never do today. But maybe it would be salvageable and would have some nostalgia value to it. Uh, watching it now, no, it's just racism and humiliation. The show, and I don't want to see that show. That show was awful to me, and it was a really, really painful experience. I want to, I want to, uh, real fast. Um, the show originally aired from September twelfth, nineteen seventy, and then it was like canceled by like this late December mm-hmm. but they aired reruns in the quote unquote second season through January 2nd 1971 uh they again they showed the Lancelot Link segments and each segment was like about 12 minutes if that and mm-hmm. then in between they would show the cartoons and they would also have a performance at least one performance per episode by the chimpanzee band the Evolution Revolution mm-hmm. Which was all of the chimpanzees from the show in like, like hippie. hippie wigs and like tie dye shirts. Mm. There's uh, a lot of spinning cameras, and it looks yeah. like you know, looks like <laughs> a monkeys episode. It does. These are uh, songs that were actually like written for the show, mm. and there's a new one every single time. And they're and fine. The songs are fine. I mean, I, would, ca- I can't just imagine ca- catchy bubblegum pop. Maybe you know? one of them would have cracked the top forty once a little. <laughs> Like they're not particularly good, but like if you if you had them on in the background of a 1970s episode of television, you would it would read 70s without costing you a lot of money. So go for it. Um, the and the, the uh, and you can buy the record. I looked yeah. it up. You can actually to this day. I, I think it's even on like Spotify. Like somebody yeah. digitized it, so you can find all of the songs from Lancelot Link Sinker Chip. Yeah, if you're familiar with the band The Grassroots, uh, the Grassroots was uh, uh, a reasonably successful man. They sold millions of records. Uh, and a lot of their band ended up working, like their house band, their their musicians, uh, worked on a lot of these songs. Uh, so there's that. And that's useful information somehow that you could have someday. <laughs> Look, I don't know. They, they did Midnight Confessions, okay? 
All right. That that's that's soon. They that's, did sooner or later, which is actually a really no. good song. Now, now you have that. Sooner info- or later, love is going to get you. Now we all have that information in our brains instead of something useful. There you I'm, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna forget my dad, but I'm gonna know that. <laughs> uh, and then thanks, there was, Lance, a lot, Link. The evolution revolution was always introduced by a, a, a chimpanzee dressed and doing a the voiceover doing a bad impersonation of Ed Sullivan. The oh. character's name was Ed Simeon. The, one of the most insulting things about the show is they never re-recorded Ed Simeon's intro. It's the same one, and... It's the same video, it's the same the, audio every single time. They, they put the chimpanzee in a suit, and clearly the chimpanzee is just, like, having fun. Mm. The chimpanzee's in Seems a like suit, is ha- happy, had to be, happy like to be there, and starts, like, just, like, spinning around. The chimpanzee. Like, clearly wasn't trained to do that. Yeah. So they have to have, have Ed, Ed Simeon say, it's a really big shoe, woo-woo! I'm having fun. I'm spit like yeah. they just couldn't control the chip that day. <laughs> yeah, and then there's also a segment there's, where there's a whole bunch of like little. They just threw the chimpanzees in like a little soundstage. Yeah, they called it chimpies. Yeah, and, and it was it's like a, it's like laughing. Yeah, little the, the little, little little tiny physical gag. Sometimes the a chimpanzee sneezes, and then the hat flies off of another chimpanzee, or mm. they'll do some bad banana joke voiceovers, and then here's, bananas here's will a, fall from a tree. Here's here's yeah. a. There's a chimpanzee wearing Groucho glasses. Yeah. That's okay. enough, now, right? That'll get you through okay, the day. If, if I just said, here's a chimpanzee wearing Groucho glasses, and you just fell on the floor laughing, maybe this show is for you. I don't know who this show is I, I for. Don't, I don't know anybody who would find this funny, I can't, but I'll say this. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to my mom about the Tarzan movies, and she saw the Tarzan movies when she was a little girl. My mom was born mm-hmm. in 1950. Okay, so and they're airing on TV. So they're, yeah, they're, they're, theater when they're on, watched, well, yeah. she she saw them in theaters because they, okay. you know, prints they were still making yeah. the rounds, and yeah. uh, and she recalls when she was really young, like maybe six, uh, seeing Cheetah and being completely delighted. Yeah. in the Tarzan movies. Well, Cheetah was a heroic chimpanzee in that one at the very well, latest, yeah. but there's also a Tarzan movie where he goes to the big city, and there's an ent- extended sequence in that Tarzan movie where Cheetah is in a high, a, like a fancy apartment and putting on like skirts and makeup and she remembers being really entertained by that of watching a chimpanzee putting on makeup okay so fewer entertainment options at the time my my guess is the people who made this show are probably my mom's age or older and probably have those fond memories of watching cheetah putting on makeup in a tarzan movie maybe all I know is they that made it for themselves. That's the only thing I can think of. They're not thinking of kids or what kids would find entertaining. I don't think they're thinking of they're 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 making this show for nostalgia's sake. But it it, it has to be a nostalgia but it's, trap. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, though. It's not mm-hmm. like you're just getting some actors together and doing what you remember in Flash Gordon and calling it Star Wars. You have to actually get chimpanzees to do this. You have yeah. to form a relationship with the animals mm. in order to do this. And again, maybe the chimpanzees were having fun. I hope they were treated well. I don't know that. Um, but even if they weren't, there's something really weird or perverse about it. And I'm watching these chimpanzees in these insulting costumes, mm. uh, insulting to people mm. and chimpanzees. So it insults and, life. Yeah, basically. Like, it's just kind of cruel to everything. <laughs> it's an insult and I'm watching, to life. I'm watching this thing and I'm like, is this a show that was made for people who like chimpanzees? Or a show made for people who hate chimpanzees, <laughs> and we want to humiliate because the chimpanzees. they'll both get the same thing out of it, and that just completely confuses me. The actual episodes of Lancelot Link's Secret Chimp are again they're really short, so they're really perfunctory. 
uh, and there's not a lot to them really. And we could go through every single one, and it'd be uh, kind of pointless. I mean, the, we'll, the, we'll we'll pick and choose a few. I, I did watch them all, so mm. um, let, let's see what details I can remember because it's just a, a big blob of chimpanzee chewing gum. Yeah, like they all they it's, all blur together. I watched. I, yeah, I was still watching them today, and yeah, they're, they're a, still a lot of them are based on like a single conceit or setting. Uh, mm-hmm. There's one episode where the Baron can control weather, and the joke is, well, we see a chimpanzee pulling a lever, and they dump snow on someone. Yeah. Uh, uh, someone, a chimpanzee. Yeah. There's no people in this show. Um, yeah. There's one episode there's, where uh, they the, make a robot to kill mm. Lancelot Link. And the robot, and they're doing that thing where, like, the robots are, like, ten feet tall. And they're, like, mm. really scary kind of robot. Not, like, a like a realistic robot. And so well, in order to sell this gag, well, and this the, is the, the one the episode re- where the they do this. realistic robots are plenty scary. Have you seen those, like, police dog bots? Yes, I have. My yeah. point is this. Even at, at the time, there were, like, two kinds of robots in movies, there were like robots that were people, and then occasionally they would like pull apart like a compartment in their chest, and you'd see diodes. Yeah. yeah. And then there were robots that were like people in big cardboard costumes, and mm. it was clearly, you know, like Lurch from the Adams family or someone just really tall. Mm. You know, Ted just, Cassidy. Was Ted Cassidy was the name. Thank you. I couldn't pull it. Uh, there was like Ted Cassidy in a giant outfit or something, and like that, or or um, Richard Keel or somebody, mm. and they would just be huge. And so they're going for the huge robot vibe. And their solution, and it's not unclever based on what they're doing, was to have a person, just a regular human being, it's the one mm-hmm. episode in which a human being appears, in a silver jumpsuit with, like, ape gloves and, like, it, and an serious, ape serious. mask that, that has been yeah. sprayed silver, not unlike the, like the Halloween mask was a Shatner mask that was painted white. And so yeah. there's this towering I'm, I'm getting... figure, and I'm watching this, I'm like, I would actually be kind of creeped out by that if I were into buying into this illusion at all. I, I got some serious Roman vibes from that costume yeah. from uh, the movie Robot Monster, yeah. which 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 was inverted. It was an ape body with a robot head. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm trying to think. There's one really weird one where uh, pff, what what the fuck did I just say? They're all really weird. There's, <laughs> there's one there's speci- also this, as opposed to all the others, which are completely normal. There's one one, but there's one where I'm like, I don't even know what narrative you're even attempting to convey here. Where Lancelot Link and Matt Harry are hanging out on a beach, and then the Baron and Doctor Strangemind are also hanging out on the beach, and every once in a while a missile would fire, and then the Baron and Doctor Strangemind would turn a knob on their portable radio that would go to explode, and then the missile would explode, mm. and Lancelot Link and Matt Harry are like, "Oh, that missile's not supposed to explode yet." We have to solve this mystery. I wonder if those evil guys have anything to do with it. And then they distract the evil guys and they turn a thing to make their missile explode a thing. Not be a thing. But I'm still focusing on the fundamental premise here, which is, where were those missiles going? <laughs> where are we? That there's Is this is this just America to you? You sit on a beach like you're <laughs> Is this, what, like is this what humans look like to you, chimpanzees? Is like, this, is this it's our lives? Like it's bingo, but every once in a while, behind like Frankie Avalon or Tommy Kirk or mm. Annette Funicello or whoever the fuck, like every once in a while, it would just be a fucking nuclear missile just firing off in the distance. Oh gosh, here, one of our many enemies. Oh, here we go. Here's, what the fuck? Here, okay, I just had an idea for a reboot of Lancelot. Like, oh Secret God, Chim- help us now! First of all, it's animated, so okay. no, no real actual chimpanzees. Yeah, okay, it's a little bit, and more it's tolerable. told from the perspective of the chimpanzees, who are are secretly intelligent and are actually the ones who are running the show. But they're trying to recreate human behavior as they see it. Okay, so what you're saying they, is this is like to, Planet of the Apes. Humanity has died. 
And well, then chimpanzees are just trying to replicate what they saw before either, we die. Either humanity has died or humanity's around, but they're isolated somehow. They're just in yes. the TV studio and so, they're making the show themselves. Yeah. And this is what ordinary human life looks like. So to they're them. like the Gorilla some... City from DC Comics. I don't know what that is, but it's sure. A, it's a city that where everyone who lives in it is a super intelligent gorilla. Okay, but they—you would love it. It's such that, a. That, that's not. Yeah. Why? Why, why aren't they making movies of that? I want they to see that. They did TV of that. There was one episode in which the main bad guy from that city, Gorilla Grodd, uh, oh, I've, went I've back, heard of Gorilla Grodd. Yeah, he went back. He's a psychic giant gorilla, and uh, he like, went back like in time King, to kill King Barack Kong. Obama in college. <laughs> Like that was oh, you, sh- you showed me that clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, a, giant, no, that's... a giant gorilla busts into Barack, like teenage Barack Obama's dorm room, and says, "I'm going to kill you, Barack Obama." It's like, okay, lead with that. <laughs> Don't start with this Man of Steel bullshit and try to build up a big mythology. That's the first thing you show in your film series. Hey, they, and you that go was their ad from there. That was their commercial. They yeah. knew what they were doing in Legends of Tomorrow. That was a. Yeah. Bless them, that's a weird fucking don't, show. Don't that's... wait until things are established to get weird. Start weird and stay weird. Yeah. I'm with you, <laughs> yes, 100%. Um, anyway, I'm trying to think what else. There's... Um, there's, a, uh, there's, there's an episode in which there's... Oh, um, yeah. an, an additional wrinkle about mm. half of the series elapses before we learn that the evolution revolution isn't just an aside. It's actually yeah. in the universe of Lights oh, yeah. Link. Yeah. And they go to see the band at the chimp bar. Yeah, it turns out the evolution and the, and revolution the ba- is... And the Baron is there, Ed and Lancelot Link are both there. So they're, they're hobnobbing a lot and they know each other and they're kind of friends, I think. Well, there's this weird... Okay, first off, two things with that. Mm. One, the plot device is the evolution revolution is a popular local band that also delivers secret coded messages yeah and the villains from chump are trying to decode them and at one point they actually like bribe the songwriter mm. so it seems like you could just his, ask the songwriter like, for the information like and not Mar- worry about marky mandrill i think is something his name. like that um but he's not a mandrill no. you can't kill a mandrill if you think <laughs> you can't kill him or you can't nothing can kill the nothing can kill a mandrill <laughs> no uh, i was mandrills are difficult to train like no. if, if you think a, a chimp will will fuck you up well like a man <laughs> Mandrill will, will kill you and then look up your family to get them. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, winning. Anyway, the, 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 but here's the Man, thing. Mandrills are scared. I think Mandrills are scared. Eventually we realize that like every single episode, every single episode, uh-huh. it's not like there's one where Chump wins. Like Lancelot, Link, and Matahari always win. They always defeat the bad guys. And later on in the same episode, because there's two episodes and everything, they're just back at it. They're just still doing evil stuff. And I'm like, mm. have you tried arresting them? And I realize we're in this weird Super Mario universe where, like, Bowser can kidnap, like, a princess every couple of weeks. And it'll be a whole thing. It'll be a major international incident. And Mario has to kill a lot of turtles and, and mushrooms. And then, but at the end, everyone's like, but we're cool, right? We can go go-kart racing this weekend. Like, <laughs> that's where we're at here. So it's like, everyone's kind of cool with it. Like, I guess... Didn't, didn't you kid- kidnap my girlfriend? Wait, I'm your girlfriend? Yeah. There's this, there's this element of, like... We've seen this in a lot of movies where, like, okay, well, if we completely dismantle the organized crime structure, well, all we're going to do is create a power vacuum that's going to lead to some, like, major mafia war and going to get a lot of people killed and then maybe worse people are going to be in charge. And so maybe it's better just to keep things at, like, a weird status quo. And I'm like, that's a great way to sort of explain your failures to do your job. Uh, but uh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's like, listen, we have to keep Rita Repulsa like on the hook. We have to make sure that Rita Repulsa feels good about herself and gets an occasional 
like semi-victory because otherwise Lord Zed's going to show up and he's a lot worse. He's just she, a dick. She, like we don't want she's him. She's blocking worse threats from Rising. Yeah, it's like it's like okay, listen, I can handle my middle management guy. What we really don't want is the CEO to come down here. I've, you know, I've, you know what? I've, it would be like, it would be like an episode of Hogan's it, uh, Heroes where Hitler showed up and be like, okay, it's way worse than Colonel Clink. <laughs> we're better off with Colonel Clink. Like, you know, like, I always hated that conceit. It's like, oh no, well, we we have to uh, we have to keep this villain like with a certain amount of power because otherwise, worse villains would show up. Well, what's stopping worse villains from showing up at the same time? Why don't you just Nothing. stop them? Yeah, <laughs> you're, the, you're fucking GI Joe. Don't no, reinstate like, Cobra Commander. Just get him and Cobra Commander and uh, Cobra and Serpentor. Serpentor sucks. Get him. Oh, Serpentor was the guy with the snake hood. Who's the yeah. Who's the guy with the silver face? That was Cobra Commander. No, he or he was the, he had the face plate. Who's I mean, he had like the bald head and the big collar. Oh, that was um, um oh, it's Doctor De- something, De- Destro or it, something. No, no, Destro was the silver head guy. Destro has the, had the face that was all silver. Yeah, that, Cobra that's Commander had a about. face that was silver, but it was like under a helmet, and then yeah. eventually he replaced it with like a blue hood. No, and I, then there was um, um, Doctor. No, De- Destro was the one I was thinking of. Okay, well, I, the one the one with like the I thought you were talking about the guy with the bald head and the monocle. This, uh, this is what men in their late thirties and early forties talk about. Doctor Mindbender was the name oh. of the guy. I was I was not of. thinking of Doctor Mindbender. I thought you were thinking of Doctor Mindbender. Okay. Yeah, Doctor Mindbender, who I believe was played by Joseph Gordon Levitt in the G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, but then it turned out that he was also Cobra Commander, and I was a little confused. It's not a good film. <laughs> no, the second one's okay. Anyway, uh, we 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 we're, we're we don't want to talk about Lancelot. We're Link. not. We do no, not want to uh, talk about Lancelot Link at all. Yeah, the, and at you, can, all you can tell that they're going about. for like a sitcom get smart kind of dynamic because oh, there's a, a lot of puns of and jokes. Yeah, and, and which uh, is a weird place to start with to begin. You know, mm-hmm. like. Okay, we're not going to make fun of James Bond. We're going to make fun of this thing that is already successfully making fun of James Bond. And if you're not familiar with Get Smart, it's pretty damn funny. Like, parts of it hasn't held up well, but, like, it's basically, imagine, like, a Mel Brooks parody. Like, Blazing Saddles, mm. you know, Frankenstein, in fact, Mel Brooks so, worked yeah, on it. A lot, of, like, a lot of slapstick stuff. Like, yeah, imagine if there was, like, a spot, imagine, if, like, the Naked Gun or Police Squad, but for spy movies in the 60s. Mm. There are a lot of great jokes on that show. They're stupid jokes, but they're great jokes. Mm. It was a hit. It was a monster hit. Eventually led to a movie in like eighty one, The Naked Bomb, which was not good. But the, the, and well, then they made they tried to make a Get Smart movie in like two thousand nine or something. They tried um, to do. We should actually do it sometime. They did a failed pilot for a Get Smart hmm. reboot starring Andy Dick. I saw that. I remember too. Hmm. I watched it on TV when it aired. Got the hiccups a little bit. Sorry about that. Yeah, I think they brought Don Adams back. Don Adams played Maxwell Smart. Uh, he was the main character of the show. And you yeah, probably and also I think know Don Andy, Adams is the voice of Inspector Gadget, which, yeah. which was itself a Get Smart spinoff almost. Yeah, good uh, a riff. In, certainly, Inspector yeah. Gadget was was essentially Maxwell Smart, um, yeah. and the guy who thinks yeah. he's a genius. Yeah, crime solver just, but is actually kind of an idiot but he was yeah. and also he was like a cyborg like he had yeah. machines inside his body good pitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, I loved it as a kid and I made the mistake of going back oh, and it no, is, it's not no, a good no, show no. it's not fun to watch anymore no the only show the only way that Inspector Gadget works if you watch it from Penny's perspective <laughs> is though she's the only real agent what happens is we accidentally made an unkillable robot yeah. <laughs> that is like completely unstoppable and unfortunately has just enough artificial intelligence that we can't shut it down even if we wanted to. Like ethically. So, but we have convinced it that it's a superhero, but we, and we can't stop it from doing shit because it's an unstoppable killing machine. So we have placed you, Penny, our 14 year old agent 
uh, and you have to pretend to be his daughter and make sure he doesn't kill anybody. And when he goes off and does crazy shit, you need to actually do all the work and let the robot take the credit or it will kill us all. Like, that's basically it. Oh, and by the way, we have a super smart dog. We do. I don't know. What do you want? We do. It's It's cool. It doesn't speak, but they still treat him yeah. like a so they still still treat him like a dog. Um, yeah. And uh, Penny, who is uh, Inspector Gadget's niece, want to say niece? Like they're related. Yeah, they're well, allegedly. She's, again, I, I I maintain that she's a plant, but yes, I, I completely that she, buy that. Yeah, uh, yes, Inspector Gadget her, has no real memories. And, and so and he he super, was created like one year ago, <laughs> and her superpower is that she has a laptop. Yeah, that's essentially <laughs> she it. has a book was, that's a laptop. They should make they laptop the cases elect- that, that look like Penny's book. By the, the electronic way, electronic book. Yeah. I would totally buy that. Yeah, they, she, totally she opened up that. an electronic book and there are all these like flashing lights and buttons in it yeah. and she would t- kind of tap them and, and look, have, look up information. She would have the internet. That was yeah. her superpower. The internet. Like, that was in what in it was. like it was 1985, whenever that was. Which was a superpower at the yeah. time. It was a cool idea. Anyway. I hate Lancelot Link so much. We, okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think we can both agree that Lancelot Link was not canceled too soon. No, no. I think we can both it, it agree should that never have been made. I, I definitely not get past the pilot stage. Someone saw this pilot and it was like, yes, no, someone take did, our money. No, but the, a, a bunch of the writers for the Carable Net show were getting really, really high one day. It's like, yeah. hey man, what if we made Get Smart? But it was like chimpanzees. What do you mean? Like we train chimpanzees and we put them in costumes and we just do it that way. Oh, that'd be really funny. Okay, let's get back to work now. Yeah, like and that's, that, that's and that's yeah. the way that conversation goes. That's and that's, that's where as it ends. far as that goes. And if they made a pilot, someone at the studio should have said. This is stupid and terrible, and we're definitely not spending $1 million on it. And then, like, the CEO happened to be, and it's like, did I hear someone say $1 million? What are we spending $1 million on? This chimp show? We're doing the chimpanzee show. $1 million. Just takes it out of a wad in his wallet. Don't come back until it's all been spent. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, so it's a terrible show, and, and it was not canceled too soon. My question bring, for you is bring, not whether this it, was... If it fails, bring the chimps in here. We'll have lunch. <laughs> My question for you yeah. is not whether the show was canceled too soon, because we've established <laughs> this. My question for you in this episode is, and this is important, mm. which one of us hated this show more? Because I, I propose okay. that whoever hated this show more gets to pick whatever show they want for next week. Could be a good show, could be a bad show, All but right. it's just whatever you want. I can't complain, or vice versa. Um, here, here's the thing. I don't. First of all, I don't know how we can gauge this. Like our, we have to, a, we have to make a, a convincing scale, argument. A scale of, of our hate. Um, <laughs> I, I loathe this. I, I yeah. hated every goddamn miserable second of this show, and uh, and and I wished I didn't do it with my life, and I felt depressed at the end of it. This, this uh, also but, made you question your whole career, didn't I? A, a little bit. Because it the thing completely is, made me question mine. The thing is, uh, because of the kitsch value of chimpanzees performing, and because I've grown like such a sarcastic, thick skin over the years, I knew it wasn't going to kill me. Oh, I wish I'd done that. Yeah. Like, like I, I can endure worse than this. And maybe that puts me a little bit higher on the scale. That maybe. I, that I know I can endure worse, however, is... No selling point. Like, I'm not saying this is the like, worst uh, thing put, ever yeah, made. Put that it's, on the box. I can endure worse. Like, I'm not saying this is the worst thing ever made, hmm. but I'm only not saying that because I can't think of anything right now and I want to leave myself an out for later. Like, it, is this the worst show we've ever covered on Cancel Too Soon? 
It might be. It's down there. It, it's it certainly be. down there. I'm trying to think of we've, some we've, of the other. Like, we've like, had some like, stinkers before, but like the Drac Pack was not yeah, watchable or Butch Cassidy. But like, let's leave Hanna Barbera out of it because that's its own unique level of hell. <laughs> it's like, right, it's right. like, it's like Dante has to come back and write another chapter. I didn't know about Hanna Barbera. I'm sorry. Uh, ten level ten. There's a ten now. <laughs> like here's the, here's the circle where you just watch Hanna Barbera cartoons. Yeah. All day. Like so, like let's so, leave that out of it for a minute. Let, that's let, its let's own let, thing. Like. like a smaller circle than Hanna Barbera, or a wider circle than Hanna Barbera. Well, it's its own thing. It, it's it's certainly like I, I think this might be the worst mm. live action series we've covered. Entirely possible. I can't think of anything that makes me more mad. Yeah, off I, the top I, I of felt, my head, I feel a little hypnotized by some of some of the uh, like cheesy. Yeah. Uh, like this level of like non humor for kids kind of shows. Yeah, like, like like you can just watch the Ghostbusters and it's like stupid and repetitive and you're just sort of you know what I, I I'm not angry I didn't I, I didn't like it but it didn't make me want to like jump off my balcony you know I don't know Ghostbusters was pretty painful it was uh, like there was there wasn't a single laugh in that well, no um, there was um, Monster Squad yeah Monster I was about to say Monster Squad that yeah. one. I think Monster Squad. Down it's, there. It's vaguely amusing. Oh, really? Oh, I hate um, it. No, I guess it's about... It's like a hair above Ghostbusters, which is not saying anything. No. Yeah, it really might be. It really might be one of the worst. Like, ever. Yeah. And we've watched, like, Manimal. And we did, and, and that was not uh, good. It was... It, some, <laughs> some really, really notorious some stinkers. Some of the stuff people talk about, oh, this is one of the worst shows ever, and we're like, Really? Have you seen Lancelot Link? Series? Have you seen Lancelot Link? Have you seen Drac Pack? Like, I defy you. Like, seriously, I just... I don't believe you. I think when you say something is the worst thing ever, mm-hmm. all you're doing is revealing how much or how little you've seen. Yeah. That's yeah. really it. Because it's all subjective, of course. But yeah, if you're saying, like... the I, the I saw, like... I'm trying to think of an example here. Well, like, when, when, I uh, saw The Rise of Skywalker, and it was the worst movie yeah. I ever saw. It's like, a no. big, it's like a big mainstream blockbuster that's, like... Disappointing or not very well constructed, yeah. and, and also calling new, it the worst so thing like, ever. Yeah. it's a lot of recency bias, obviously. So, all right. So yeah. I well, here's... We're, it's like, oh, this this is the worst movie ever. Oh, child. Oh, sweetie, no. Let let me sit you down. I can start with things. No, I don't mean and to work be, my way downward. I, I don't mean to be like gatekeeper rude about this. Yeah. What I mean is that when you look at the stuff that barely gets released or has been mostly forgotten by history, you're gonna find shit that like will like curdle your blood like it gets thicker like and it just makes it like harder to walk around because it's somewhere like deep inside of you like like emblazoned into your dna like a like a tattoo is lancelot link secret chimp and now you're stuck with it forever um i'm just saying this is this is on some level criticism if you're like really committed to it is a full contact sport and and it leaves scars i uh I remember I, whenever the the Golden Raspberries announced their nominees. Uh, yeah. Once in a while, they're they're on point, but they're, usually no, it's they're bullshit. really not. Usually, they're just picking on low hanging fruit, exactly. things that already have sort of a wolf pack around them, whether or not they're great or or truly terrible. And it's always like really well known mainstream stuff. It's rare that they pull out some like weird obscurity. It's like I didn't know what that yeah. was. They do it a little bit more now. Well, they'll do like that Hillary Clinton documentary. Yeah, like, or or they did. Uh, Kirk Cameron saving Christmas was like everyone hated yeah. it, but it's only like I made money. They so. did a, a, I think it was a Turkish film. They, there was like a Fifty Shades knockoff that they did oh, last year. Uh, that, that yeah. it was like really, it was like huge on Netflix for like two days. It's like uh-huh. the biggest thing on Netflix for two days, uh-huh. and became like one of their most watched things ever. The Golden Raspberries nominated that one. Uh, 
and I, I suggest, and I've suggested this in the past, that you get a panel of critics, people who mm. do watch everything. Yeah. Not the people who are just paying attention to what popular opinion is saying. The people who have really taken made in it their job some really to awful watch it, garbage yeah. uh, because that that's their profession is to find the awful garbage and have them on the nominating committee and then have a big debate like they do with Lafka, yeah. uh, the body you belong so, to, Mr. Fancy. Oh, and, uh, yeah. shush. But no, my, I'm just, uh, some I'm just people, bitter because they won't let me in. Uh, that, try harder. I just, oh, uh, yeah, it's true. I, <laughs> it's like, I've, I've applied maybe two or three times. It's, it, took, you know, it took me like ten tries. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, they, they were not just like, Bibs, come on in. Like, no, I had to. Yeah, you're, you're, you really campaigned hard. And, yeah, and, yeah. and you, just, you do do something. Well, that's I'm, kind I'm, of you. Thank I'm, you. Uh, and I'm, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, have, have a Lafka-like panel trying to figure out, you know, the actual difference in quality what makes this bad over this and mm. how can we choose what the truly worst film of the year is i put that out there and a lot of critics i know just said i volunteer as tribute yeah a lot of people I, i'll watch the awful some films people to are excited some, bring about some it. like dignity and critical heft to the golden raspberry there is this there is this movement i feel right now that um as critics it doesn't really help anybody to wallow in the negative and it's more important to praise the good. Mm. Um, I think that's true to an extent. I think that's important and we should never lose sight of that. Mm. But I also think that if we're ignoring the bad and like actively trying not to talk about it, we're just letting it fester in a Petri dish. We Mm. need to actually talk about it. And we need to be able to say this is bad and actually have that conversation. And yeah, you can be a jerk about it just like you can overpraise something. Yeah. And turn it into this like the v- cartoonish, vaunted, untouchable yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go both ways. I think either one, both of them are unhealthy. But uh, in any case, I do think negative criticism is important. So, I, I guess what it boils down to is, and my question is, um, we don't know for certain who hated this show more, mm. but we both disliked it. So, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to flip this coin. <laughs> we both picked a show. We've both right. picked a show. Uh-huh. At least I have. I told you to. Have you picked a show? I have one in mind, yeah. Okay, whoever wins this coin toss, we're only going to do it once, we're only going to do two out of three or some crap. Whoever wins this coin toss gets to do whatever they want next time. Could be a good show, could be a bad show. But it's got to just, it's it's got to be a palate cleanser of some kind. Okay, so Whitney, I want you to call it. Okay. Call it? Flip it? Flip it up. Heads. Shit, it's heads. Okay, uh, go for it. What, what are we doing? <laughs> they came from outer space. Oh god, that's a long one, but okay. Yeah, UPN. We, we can't shy away from the long ones. We have to. Start, no, start just they take time. Um, they take time. They take some time. Uh, they came from outer space. Was a was a UPN sitcom? No, yeah. it wasn't a UPN. It was pre UPN. Uh, I, I don't think it was. No, it might have been Fox. It, it, it should have been a UPN show. Is my point. Uh, it, it was. It ran twenty episodes. It starred Dean Cameron. It was about two uh, two boob dudes who were living in an apartment and getting into boob adventures, but they were space aliens. The idea is, it's uh, Dean Cameron and Stuart Fratkin, who was uh, briefly Dean Cameron's like the the. Mm. They were both in the, ski school. The, they were, they were, he was the Costello to his Abbott, or vice versa, and they were in this uh, well remembered, mm. better than you'd think, teen sex comedy called Ski School. Uh, where there are good bits, also parts of it suck, but whatever. I, I've been like, watching since I was fifteen, and I'm I'm really afraid to go. I, 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 parts of it don't hold up good. Mm-hmm. Most most of it, they're good jokes. Um, but uh, in any case, yeah, they had their own TV series, and uh, they uh, were they're aliens who had come to Earth to go to school at Cambridge, and rather than go to Cambridge, they decided to go on a cool, sexy road trip. And uh, lie to their parents and pretend that they're actually, like, going to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, they're being chased by, like, a couple of men in black who want to, like, capture them and do an alien autopsy. And that's the gag. 
Uh, and this was on... It was syndication. Right. This was syndicated, so you might have seen it on the channel that had UPN eventually. But yes. anyway, um, so yeah, we will be doing that on the next episode of Cancel Too Soon. They came from outer space. I actually watched this when it was on the air. I saw a few episodes, yeah. so I want, want to go back and see see how <laughs> how it makes me hurt. Ironically, I was also going to do a space show, but anyway, we'll talk about another time. It's it's our metier. We like we like we like sci fi. Mm. We're we're those guys. Anyway, that is it for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you everybody. And our Patreon, who voted for this, we really do love you, actually. And uh, some of you knew what we were what we were getting into, and some of you even warned people. Do, do you know what you're doing to them? And I thank those people. And to the people who uh, decided to put us through the ringer, you know what? This is how we become battle hardened. Okay, this is how we have like these skin of titanium. Like, mm. ha nothing can hurt me now. I've seen Lancelot Lincoln. I came out on the other side. So, thank you. Seriously, thank you. This is a weird, interesting chapter, and I'm excited to have done it. And, of course, there's no one I would rather watch horrible things with than Whitney Seibold. So thank oh, you for that's you. very sweet. I'm, I'm glad. I feel, like, um, I feel like the guys in that song, Timothy, where we go into a cave with oh. our friend Tim, and we come out, and Tim is gone, and mm. what happened to him? Timothy was a canary. Uh-huh. You keep telling your song. It's a cannibalism <laughs> song. <laughs> Cannibal song, and it was a hit. Yeah, it was. It was a, a band, hit song called, from the band, guy who... band called the Buoys, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big hit song about mm. miners getting into a, a mine collapse, and they're a, trapped down there. The they're same, singing about the you, same songwriter who did uh, uh, if you like Pina Colada, the Pina Colada song. Oh, okay. and they actually just passed away. Oh, do they really? Yeah, yeah. I forget I forget his name offhand, but yeah. Uh, and there was an MST3K bit of just trying to decipher the Pina Colada song. And Do you like Pina Coladas? Do you yeah. like being caught in the rain? Yeah. It's like, are you saying those two things are the same? Yeah. yeah. Do you do you like lime? Do you like lime Rickies? <laughs> Do you do you like getting run over by a car? Like, no. what are we? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, but seriously, thank you all of our patrons. If you want to become a patron and occasionally force us to watch whatever you want for Cancel Too Soon, and also vote for a few other episodes and get a lot of exclusive shows mm-hmm. about. Star Trek, Batman, Disney, the Academy Awards, uh, commentary tracks. You can head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, we would love to have you there. We have a lot of stuff for you there. Huge back catalog, hundreds of hours of stuff just waiting for you. Uh, mm. So thank you to everyone who's already a patron, and thank everybody who might become one in the future. We're very grateful to you. If you want to tell us about your memories of Lancelot Link, did you watch this when you were like age appropriate for it? Like, mm. were you like around in like 1970? And do you remember this being on TV? And was there a totally different attitude that we maybe didn't consider or explore? We'd love to hear from you. So if you want to write in, our email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net. You can also write into letters at critically acclaimed.net for anything else you want to talk mm. about. It doesn't have to do, it doesn't have anything to do with the cancel too soon per se. Just we have a show called we've got mail. We answer emails. We might answer yours. Um, and, of course, we're on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And um, we have yeah. a soap store, me and M. Lopez and Silva, Etsy.com. Look for Salt Cat Soap. Salt Cat Soap is on Instagram and Twitter, all one word. We have a lot of soaps that are designed by my wife and partner and also myself. A lot of new designs just got released in the store. Thank you, everybody, who's uh, already checked them out. Really grateful to you. Um, and uh, Whitney? And we have a, a P.O. box. We do. Yeah, if you want to mail us stuff. Uh, in fact, somebody mailed uh, mailed us a DVD. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, you can send anything, uh, letters to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, 
That's 641-565, LA, California, 90064. Um, and, um, and other things as well. And Whitney has a show on the screen's margins. That's right. Uh, uh, with B. Peterson, who recently uh, co-hosted an episode of Critically Acclaimed because they were in uh, town. Yeah, B, B, is, B is a wonderful person and is really interested in a lot of interesting things and uh, gives me a lot of hope for the future. Yeah. And uh, B came into town and we talked about Tsiming Liang films on, uh, on the podcast All About Ovid, which is based on the streaming service Ovid, which is like deep cut art house stuff. Really fun, fascinating things. And uh, we did a podcast together with the venerable Dave White from the Linoleum Knife podcast uh, that he does with his husband, uh, Alonso Duralde. And we all talked about Simon Lang and the three Simon Lang films that uh, some of us had seen before, but just sort of grouped together. And it was just a, a fascinating trek into that filmmaker's filmography. Uh, yeah, you can l- listen to that over on the screen's margins, and uh, I think that one's fr- I think that one's free. And uh, but there are other it, yeah. other pay uh, podcasts over on that network that and B does them all. And, yeah, please support the Patreon. Yeah. Please follow them on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really really good. Like we like to talk about esoterica, but if you mm-hmm. want the esoterica to the esoterica, <laughs> like you're like oh Lancelot Link, oh weird, but I want something really obscure. Mm-hmm. Head on over to the screen's margins. <laughs> Please, that's what they exist for. It's a really, really good show and series of shows. Um, And yeah, we'll be back next time with They Came From Outer Space. That's a wrap. We'll see you next season. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.